Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Week 16 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. Guys, bowl season is here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching the game. Not this year, when there are a record 41 bowl games to bet on, including the national championship game on January 7th. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win, and ownership really cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you are betting on, and if you want to make money during bowl season, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now, and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for bowl season. Use the promo code BEARS25 when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code BEARS25 at MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. This week on the Bears Talk Underground. Even with a playoff berth clinched and a division crown in tow, the regular season isn't over yet and there is still work left to be done. As our beloved head out west to face the feisty 49ers with the hopes that another victory will get them closer to a first round bye. Can Nagy keep the Bears focused or will they just phone it in? Oscar Aparicio, the Better Rivals podcast, joins us on the Week 16 preview episode of The Bears Talk Underground. You know, this is a feeling I can get used to. Week 16, and the season ain't over yet. Not even close for our beloved Chicago Bears who are headed to the playoffs defending the NFC North crown and looking to make some serious noise and to make some believers out of those national pundits who still don't want to give the Bears the credit that they deserve. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week 16 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast will be joining us a little bit later on to talk about what a crazy roller coaster year it has been for the 49ers. I mean, such high hopes. They were pretty much on the same plane with the Bears as far as the potential and 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 what they were capable of this year. You know, the, the, the hot start that Jimmy Gar- Garoppolo got on, winning his first five starts for the 49ers last year. They had a good offseason. They're very happy with their draft. And it's just been one mess after another. Um, unfortunately, when I talked to Oscar, we didn't touch on the Reuben Foster thing to see, you know, what kind of distraction or what kind of mess that was for him. Unfortunately, we didn't uh, kind of ran out of time before we could touch upon that. But obviously, we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo and the the effect of losing him week number three in the season. Uh, they lost, uh, you know, they signed Jarek McKinnon away from the Vikings in the offseason. He got hurt in training camp on September 1st, ironically, the same day that the Bears acquired Khalil Mack, of all people. And, um, you know, also very, very odd stat uh, for their defense that we'll talk about uh, during the interview. I don't want to give that one away just yet. But uh, a crazy up and down year. Uh, Nick Mullins, their third string quarterback, has been their starter for the last six weeks. Because uh, C.J. Beathard, I, I don't remember what the injury was for him, but he went down just before the the the, the uh, Oakland game. Nick Mullins makes his first start on Thursday Night Football against the the Raiders of all teams, and they murder him thirty four to three. And he's kind of been the little engine that could. They've been three and three since he started, uh, you know, playing quarterback for him. They've won the last two games against Denver and Seattle. Uh, Denver was a playoff team when they played them the you know two weeks ago, but after two straight losses because Denver lost to 49ers and then again uh, last Saturday to the Browns uh, at home and uh, looks like they might be done as far as playoffs are concerned for the uh, Broncos. But 
you know, those two wins, they're four and 10 now. They're kind of doing what they did last year, where they're at the end of the year, kind of giving some teams headed to the playoffs some late losses uh, that they weren't expecting. They did the same thing last year to, to Tennessee and Jacksonville. They beat both of those teams in the month of December uh, last year, not to mention uh, even though the, the starters were sitting, they trounced the Rams week 17 last year, like 34 to 13 or, or something uh, like that. So they basically beat three playoff teams in the last five games uh, last year, had a lot to build on, a lot of potential. They locked up Garoppolo for the long term with a five-year deal. And, you know, you'll hear me talk about it with Oscars. Like when I saw week one, I watched the Minnesota-San Francisco game to kick off the year and 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 seeing how scrappy and how determined and how tough the 49ers played the Vikings I really did think that the the 49ers were going to be that team that was going to make a leap this year and unfortunately the rug got pulled underneath uh, pulled out from underneath them when they uh, when they lost Garoppolo two weeks later week number three against the Kansas City Chiefs so um, that was just uh, bad luck and the team has kind of been suffering for it uh, ever since so we'll, we'll talk more in depth with Oscar about that uh, here in a little bit but before we get to that um, you know we, we we didn't think it would ever be possible uh, again uh, with a, a, a Chicago Bear uh, being elected to the uh, to the Pro Bowl just because uh, you know guys that have been deserving the last couple of years uh, never even kind of got a sniff weren't even alternates in some cases uh, and whatnot and uh that is no longer a problem, guys, because uh, the Pro Bowl uh, rosters were announced on Tuesday and five team, five members of the team were elected to the Pro Bowl in Orlando between the conference title games and the Super Bowl. Uh, we had four starters and a backup. The four starters, Khalil Mack, no surprise there. Eddie Jackson, also no surprise. Kyle Fuller, no surprise there. Tariq Cohen as a return specialist. No surprise there. The lone backup out of the five making the Pro Bowl roster, Akeem Hicks uh, at the defensive line position. And I was the most excited about that one because Akeem should have made it both of his first two years in Chicago, and he finally gets the nod this year. He's not a starter yet, but he's going to the Pro Bowl or he got the Pro Bowl nod. Hopefully none of these guys play in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Tariq Cohen made a comment earlier this week saying, Nobody wants to play in the Pro Bowl, and he meant that as saying nobody wants to play in the Pro Bowl because we all want to be getting ready for the Super Bowl. So not that the Pro Bowl is trash, which it is, or it's a joke, which it also is, but because he would rather be preparing for the Super Bowl a week later instead of playing in a nonsensical um, exhibition game. So, And uh, what the other really cool thing was that seven other guys were named as alternates bumping the number up to 12 possible pro bowlers for the Chicago Bears in 2018. I mean, when it rains, it pours. Am I right? Uh, those seven guys being Cody White here at the center position, Charles Leno Jr., Trey Burton, our tight end, Roquan Smith, and Danny Trevathan. I'm kind of surprised that neither one of those was a reserve uh, for, the, uh, for the actual pro bowl roster. And then two very surprising names, uh, Leonard Floyd getting elected as an alternate for the uh, Pro Bowl. And then the biggest surprise for me, and I was completely thrilled when I saw it, but uh, it also does kind of speak about where the quarterback position is uh, in the NFC uh, anyway. Mitch Trubisky being named an alternate for the Pro Bowl. I mean, he's been such an up-and-down guy. Hearing that he got enough uh, enough love from, um, from, the, from, well, from the fans, that's not too much of a trouble, but... Uh, it, the, from what I understand, the Pro Bowl voting is three-tiered. You have the fan vote, you have the player vote, and then you have, I guess, like the league vote or you know what the owners and, and whatnot uh, for those to combine to get you where you're at, you know, to, to your final score. If that's changed, somebody let me know. But uh, from what I understand, that's how it's done, and it uh, looks like Trubisky got enough love that he's a Pro Bowl alternate. Now, it didn't say whether they were – First alternate, second alternate, third alternates, or anything like that. But those seven guys, Trubisky, Whitehair, Leno, Burton, Roquan, Danny Trevathan, and Leonard Floyd, all named as alternates. And you know the way that people start dropping like flies 
when the Pro Bowl is in there. I'm guessing maybe a couple more of these guys can get promoted to the Pro Bowl roster before it's all said and done but I think we're all in full agreement when we say that I hope none of these guys even gets anywhere near Orlando for the for the Pro Bowl because we're preparing to beat the piss out of San Diego or Kansas City or New England or whatever in the Super Bowl so that's the that's the overall goal uh here Uh, a couple other headlines before we get to uh our talk with uh Oscar Wayne Larravee he uh some of you guys may know that name uh i know it because he was the voice of the chicago bears from the time that i started watching the bears when i was about six or seven uh until um well i think i was in college 97 98 was his last year uh in chicago he was the voice of the bears all that time since the 99 season wayne larravee has been the voice of the green bay packers freaking traitor and uh larravee is uh it it sounds like sour grapes when you sit back and and listen to it uh called a uh during the radio broadcast on sunday when the bears were playing the packers the uh the fake punt attempt by the bears wayne larravee called uh you know i think the exact words were more arrogance from matt Nagy going for it on uh on fourth down uh you know i guess he doesn't like matt Nagy and his trick plays uh, he, he doesn't, uh, like that kind of thing. And, uh, I think it's, uh, it's karma, you know, or something like that because how many times, I mean, and we've even seen it happen a few times during bear games. How many times did, did Packers, did the Packers get, you know, cheap plays out of, um, it happened like one time against the, the bears. It pissed me off so much that they were doing cheap little things, like, oh, a guy's running off the field. Let's snap the ball and get a free five yards uh, and things like that. When, when they, it, it bothered me so much because Green Bay was, in those times, was always good enough to beat us without those little ticky-tack things. Those things were not helping them win the football game. It was just helping them get five yards they wouldn't have otherwise. You know, five yards they could have gotten on their own, but instead, eh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get them off the We'll get a penalty because, uh, you know, so-and-so hasn't run off the field just yet. We'll snap the ball. We'll call a replay and get that cheap five yards uh, that we could have otherwise earned ourselves. Uh, it's, it's, it's little things like that that, uh, you know, the Green Bay was always getting away with uh, and things like that, and he wants to call it arrogance on the part of, uh, of Matt Nagy when, when pretty much everybody else just sees it as, uh, you know, Matt Nagy trying to make a play or trying to – hang on to the football. Now, I think we can all agree that maybe Matt got a little bit too big for his britches instead of just leaving the offense out there and going for it on fourth and one. He tries to go with the fake, and it got stuffed. But um, And and Larry doubled down on it because he talked to Chicago Radio the next day and pretty much reiterated like he wasn't backing down for it, so good for him, uh, first of all, for not uh, backtracking or anything. But he thinks that the, the way that Matt Nagy calls the trick plays, like the – the touchdown pass to Bradley Soul last week, a.k.a. Santa Slay or um, uh, Akeem Hicks running for a touchdown against the Giants and uh, all other stuff like that. He thinks it's it's uh, arrogance on the part of, of Nagy to do the trick plays uh, instead of just playing straight up uh, football. And this is uh, especially hilarious to me that he's complaining about things like this because Wayne Larravee was the host, was the voice of the Chicago Bears when the fridge William Perry was coming in on the goal line every every time that the Bears got and William Perry scoring touchdowns from from one yard out uh, when when uh, when 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 Larravee was the uh, was the voice of the Bears. I mean, I know that was thirty three years ago, but uh, he didn't have a problem with it then because the team that he was calling, the team that he was rooting for at the time, was winning football games, but. Uh, I don't know what it is. It, maybe he's got a beef with Chicago because Chicago turned on him when he went to Green Bay or something like that. But you always seem to 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 feel a little bit more oomph in his calls. Like if you ever listen to uh, Wayne Larravee's uh, like like a highlight reel or something like that in a, in a Bears Packers game, go back and listen to the way Larravee calls some of those touchdowns or or anything that went to the way. Especially try to find some clips of Jay Cutler throwing interceptions against the Packers, which unfortunately happened a lot uh, during that particular era. Larravee seemed to love it. Like, for some reason, he really liked to watch Green Bay stick it 
to the Bears. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was an ugly separation, like when when he went to Green Bay and Chicago Bear fans caught wind of it and stuff like that, and he's grown to have this distaste for Bear fans over the over the years because that's you know 20 seasons now he's been calling uh, Packer games and whatnot. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but he seems to really enjoy it when when Green Bay beats up uh, on Chicago, and he had a big problem with uh, with Nagy trying to go for it on fourth down. He also talked about the the Wildcat play that went sideways, and Tariq and and, and Jordan Howard fumbled the exchange, and Green Bay got it back, but it wasn't enough. I mean, he's gotten you know Khalil Mack out there getting booty sacks on 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 Aaron Rodgers I mean that's that's how good we are and how bad Green Bay has been uh this year so it to me it, it sounds more like sour grapes uh than than anything else but uh apparently Wayne Larrabee thinks that Matt Nagy is is arrogant for uh for his play calling and uh what he's been doing uh this year so one last thing before we get to our talk with uh with Oscar the uh, Chicago Bear fans according to uh, fan pulse on SB Nation. They basically rating the confidence of the fan base in their particular team. The Bears have the second most confident fan base in the NFL, behind only the New Orleans Saints right now. The Bears coming in at ninety-seven percent confident, or at least the fan base is behind New Orleans, who's at a hundred percent right now. Um, my favorite thing about that was they gave numbers for the rest of the division. Uh, the Vikings, who are still in the playoffs as the season ended today, is only at 54%. Green Bay, 27%. And the Lions are at 23%. So we are, well, way more confident in our squad than the rest of the NFC North is in theirs. So I just thought that I would throw that in as kind of the the cherry on top, if you will, before we get to our talk uh, with Oscar. So really... Uh, it's a great, uh, great time to uh, be a Bear fan because there's nothing more exciting than Chicago when the friggin' Bears are winning, and we are doing that uh, in spades this year. Hopefully another victory coming this Sunday against the 49ers. And uh, to help us uh, preview uh, this ball game and talk about what could or could not happen with the 49ers and what's been going on with them in 2018, we'll bring on Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast to help us preview week number 16. Week 16 of the 2018 schedule has the annual meeting because it's five years in a row now between the San Francisco 49ers and our beloved Chicago Bears. We are heading out to San Francisco this time where unfortunately the Bears do not have the greatest history, but taking on a a 4-10 49er team that might actually be a hell of a lot more scary than their record would indicate. And here to help us out, back on the show from the Better Rivals podcast, Oscar Aparicio. Oscar, how we doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? Oh, uh, well, you know, I uh, I can't complain, and I literally mean that this year. It's not just something that you say that I have been saying the last few years when at Week yeah, it's 16. Yeah, a good year for y'all. Indeed, indeed. The last few years uh, when Week 16 rolls around, I'm just waiting for the season to end so I have to stop watching crappy Bears football. But now I'm actually very excited about where we're at right now. So, yeah, it's been great. Um, so what I wanted to talk to you about um, is this tumultuous season that you guys are in the middle of right now when we talk back in june as i believe when i had you on uh last both of us very optimistic about where our teams were heading both teams seem to have an off season where they would uh, were be you know going to be ascending this year making a step making a move to legitimacy you know maybe next year being contenders so on and so forth and the two of us together when we were talking i listened to our interview earlier today um we're 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 talking about how this is going to be year where we're like if we have a good year maybe get eight wins nine if we have a really good year and if if that's our baseline then the bears are at one extreme of that and the 49ers unfortunately ended up on the other uh extreme so it's almost like the bears were best case scenario and the 49ers were worst case scenario where basically it's all started it started falling apart just before preseason or just before the season with Jerick McKinnon going down with the ACL, then week three, you lose Garoppolo, and then it was all kind of downhill from there. Yeah, and really I think it's, it's I think you said it right, it's two extremes, and it's because 
a couple things went right for you to get to that extreme. Right. And a couple things went wrong for the 49ers to get to their extreme. I think what went right for the Bears was, of course, Khalil Mack. Yes. And, and you got one of the, the two best players, I think, at the edge rushing position in, in all of football. And you did that on a team that already had a, a pretty good defense to begin with mm-hmm. and a fantastic defensive coordinator. Right. And, and then you add that piece and it unlocks just that entire defense. And, and I think for the Niners, of course, the exact opposite thing happened, which is the most important position in football they lost. And, right. and that was Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I think edge rusher, quarterback and cornerback are probably the, the triumvirate of positions with quarterback being chief among them. Mm-hmm. Edge rusher and corner. You know, you can debate which is more important, a corner or an edge rusher. I personally think a corner is more important or a pass defender is more important. And the Bears have those in spades. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think when you put all that together and then you add Khalil Mack, it completely unlocked that team uh, because I think if the Bears don't go far in the playoffs, it won't be because of their defense. It'll likely be because of their offense. Agreed. And for the 49ers, it, it's just, you know, when you don't have a quarterback, it's tough to win. And, and C.J. Beathard, I think, was a, a much bigger downgrade from Garoppolo. Mullins is probably between the two. He's played fairly well so far this year, uh, but he's still no Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and that's exactly what the, the Niners find themselves in is they find themselves in the same quarterback situation they were last year, probably a little better off. And this year, Garoppolo is not here to save them. They're just kind of got to ride it out with Mullins. Right. And and when I look at like the difference between, you know, the, the, the Bears of 2017 and the Bears of 2018, there's three things that we're doing this year that we absolutely had an inability to do a year ago. Number one, we're healthy this year. I mean, I, I, I was looking at the, when the Bears played the Rams a couple of weeks ago, combined between the two teams there was one person on the injury report that's bananas at week 14 just you just don't see that and uh so we're 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 healthier than we've ever been we led the league in ir the last three seasons under john fox number two we're number one in the league in turnover differential plus 22 there's nobody better in the league than that Uh, we have more interceptions this year than we had the last three years combined and then number three is we don't constantly shoot ourselves in the foot penalties, our own turnovers, so on and so forth. Those three things went from, like we were talking extremes earlier, went from the worst extreme to the best of extremes under Nagy. And that's the difference. I mean, obviously we have an uptick in talent this year with the guys that we signed on the offensive side and Khalil Mack, you know, being inserted into that defense. But, you know, if we had the same problems the last three years along with what we're, even with this roster, we'd probably be that, seven and seven team or six and eight or something like that battling for a playoff spot instead of already having our division uh, uh, clinched. And when I, when I was reading up on the 49ers, you guys have two interceptions all year long and five, five altogether. It was like, good God, you guys are on a five or six game streak of no turnovers whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's real bad, man. The turnovers thing I think is a combination of a couple things. Uh, You know, I think part of it is the, the defensive scheme it's changed a little bit over the last half of the year with Robert Sala. Robert Sala, of course, runs that single high cover three Seattle scheme. Mm-hmm. And, and there is some pattern match in there. And Vic Fangio runs a, a two high pattern match scheme. And, and pattern match is, is really, really awesome. It's definitely the, the kind of the, the way that modern defenses are played, where the defense kind of changes its structure into a man coverage based on the way that the routes are declared. And so the, the way that the concepts are built the, the defense is going to react and it's going to look like zone initially, but then switch to man. Basically, the, the pattern match is going to have a defender get close to a man so that they can be in a position to make a play on the ball. That makes a ton of sense, right? You, yeah. you can't make a play on the ball if you're not near them. And, and this is what Fangio does really, really well with his pattern match schemes. If you watch the Bears play defense, they're going to they're gonna drop a little bit. But then as soon as they see that concept declare itself, whether it be a smash or a sail or four verts or three verts or whatever – they all have assignments that are based on that route concept and then they stick to that dude and it feels like man-to-man coverage. Mm-hmm. And that's what puts those defenders in a really good position to make interceptions, to get you know uh, the hand on the ball. And what Sala does on the other hand is he traditionally spot drops a lot more than I would like. And the defenders kind of drop to an area and then try to read the quarterback and break on the ball. And Nick Saban has a very, very famous quote where you know he kind of helped develop pattern matching with Belichick in Cleveland in the early 90s. And he says, you know, that the breaking on the ball stuff doesn't work when you're going up against Dan Marino, who can basically zip the ball in against any coverage. And now quarterbacks are so good that 
that is basically the NFL standard is being able to beat spot dropping defenders. And so I think that Salah's defense, it's changed over the course of the season, but he still relies a lot on spot dropping. And that doesn't always put his defenders in a great position to make plays on the ball. And that's when also we don't have great, you know, kind of pass coverage defenders. I mean, Richard Sherman, who is not back to the level that he once was, he's still our best corner, but he's not like playing lights out football. On the other side, you've got Akella Witherspoon, who's injured, and he had his, he's had a very rocky season. And now we're going to play a, a rookie corner, Tarverius Moore, uh, who's a third-round pick, but he's converting from safety. So I think you put all that in a bag. Uh, this is, I think, the ninth different combination of starting safeties we've had all year. Wow. And, and this is where you end up where the Niners are in terms of turnovers. So, I mean, is it a um, – I mean, and what is your turnover differential? I mean, do you guys turn the ball over a lot on offense? Uh, yeah, generally speaking, um, it's, it's been, it's been better recently, but yeah, that usually that every, every Niner game has just about one or two turnovers on offense wow. uh, and no turnovers on defense. So uh, I don't know what the turnover differential is on the year, but I have a feeling it's somewhere near negative 18, negative 20. Um, I'll, I'll look it up here in a second, but it, it hasn't been good. I think the last couple of games have been a little bit better, but even then, I mean, against Seattle, uh, the, when we got blown out a couple weeks ago in Seattle, we lost the ball twice. One was a Bobby Wagner kind of strip of, of Jeff Wilson. The other was a pick six. Uh, Mullins has been better at protecting the ball recently, which is good. And that's why I think the Niners have been able to beat the Broncos as well as the Seattle Seahawks. But I think they lost a turnover battle in Denver, too, uh, and, and still won that game. So it's definitely uh, not something the Niners are good at. Yeah, maybe Kyle Shanahan should just tell the guys when they come out for week one that it's December already because – you know, you guys seem to kick ass in December. You know, you won five in a row to finish out the year last year. You're you're what two and one in December so far uh, this year. You know, maybe he should just come out and be like, "Hey guys, it's December first, and we got 16 weeks of December. So let's just go out there and and do what we do in December." So to to put a button on it, it's negative 22. Wow, is the turnover ratio? It is by far worse than the NFL. Tampa Bay negative 16, uh, Jacksonville negative 12. Wow. Uh, you know, the, the whole December thing, I think, is interesting because the, at the beginning of this year, when we were talking about how the season was going to go, we called the whole December or late season kind of push just based on what the schedule was looking like. I mean, the Niners opening tilt for the schedule was really tough. You've got Minnesota, which think of them what you will. There's they're still a good team and their defense is coming on strong. Uh, you've got Detroit, which the Niners won. But then you had Kansas City, San Diego, Green Bay, Rams with a couple of Cardinals games intermingled in there. We knew that the opening stretch of the year was going to be tough, and the, and the, the rap on the Niners was going to be, oh, they're like 3-5 and five over the first eight games. What the hell happened? And then you look at the back half of the schedule, and you were facing the Raiders, the Giants, the Bucks, the Seahawks, who aren't as good as they once were, uh, and then maybe the Rams with starters. And so you could see even before the end of the year that this was going to be another year where the Niners had a late push in the season, and that was going to be the narrative. And I don't think it has much to do with – it has a little bit to do with Nick Mullins because he's playing better at the quarterback position than C.J. Beathard. But a lot of it has to do with schedule and schedule luck. Uh, and you could have seen this coming from the from the beginning of the year in the preseason. Yeah, let's talk about Nick Mullins. He's kind of like the little engine that could. You know, Garoppolo goes down week three, and, and it's on C.J. Beathard to uh, to come out and, uh, and to lead the team because it's his team for the rest of the year now. I mean, Garoppolo's got an ACL. That's it. We'll see you again in 2019, Jimmy. And he goes down. When did he go down? Uh, week three. It was a third quarter against the Chiefs. No, no, not, not Garoppolo. Uh, Beathard. When did Beathard go down? Oh, he went down right before the Oakland game. Okay. Uh, so that would have been right before week eight. Week eight. Or right, right after uh, week eight. Sorry. I think yeah, there's, so a, there's on, a buy in there somewhere. So on short notice, because it was a Thursday night game against Oakland. Nick That's exactly Mullen, right. Nick Mullen comes out and throws for like 480 and five touchdowns against the uh, the Raiders, and now he's the talk of the Bay uh, the Bay Area. And the, you know, 34 to three. I mean, he just smashed the the Raiders on uh, on Thursday Night Football. And you know, you guys are three and three since he took over the uh, since he took over as the uh, starting uh, quarterback with the last two wins. Uh, over Denver and over over Seattle kind of sticking out there because these are teams that, you know, Denver was on their way to the playoffs and they lost to you guys and then got beat by Cleveland this past weekend. So they're probably done as far as the playoffs are concerned. But Seattle is most likely like 80% chance going to the playoffs right now. And uh, you guys ended up uh, beating them and avenging the loss from a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, so I'm going to give you a, a pop quiz here. Okay. Most passing yards through six career games since 1970. <laughs> Five players. Uh-huh. See if you can name a couple of them. For, like, league-wide? Yeah, league-wide. Most passing yards in their first six career games since 1970. Well, I'll give I'll, you the first one. Cam Newton. Okay. 1,847 yards. I'm going to go with Pat Mahomes because he was a beast the first six games this year. That's exactly right. He's okay. third, 1,797. Wow. Okay. Where was Cam? Mark. Uh, Cam was 1,847. Okay. So what was he, like second or third on that list? Uh, he was first. First, okay. First, uh, yeah, since 1970. Wow. Mark Bolger, 1,815. He's second. Yeah, that Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, sure. Fifth. 1674. Nick freaking Mullins, fourth on that list, <laughs> 1,754 yards. He's he's played really, really well. I mean, he's had some easy defenses to go up against, right? Like he racked up yards against the Raiders. He racked up yards against Seattle in Seattle. He threw for over 400 yards in Seattle. Who would have thought that, you know, when the Seattle Niners rivalry got really heated in 2011, 2012, and you had Colin Kaepernick and Jim Harbaugh and even Alex Smith for for a couple of games who would have thought that the team to finally go into Seattle and actually perform really, really well would have been an undrafted free agent as, out of Southern Miss? He hasn't played. Like, he's not an elite quarterback by any stretch. I, I don't pull out that statistic to say that he is in the same category as Andrew Luck or Pat Mahomes or, or Cam Newton. Sure. But he has played within the structure of the offense really, really well. When, Kyle Shanahan schemes players open with a ridiculous degree of, of efficiency. And what Nick Mullins has been able to do that not other quarterbacks have been able to do, I mean, you look at the Brian Hoyer experience, chief among them, is hit those players when they are wide open. And the player that has more than likely been wide open is George Kittle. Yeah. And George Kittle then gets a bunch of yards after the catch, in part because the, the, he is so open, but then also because he's such a good athlete. You look at his yards after the catch among tight end and wide receivers. George Kittle has 740 yards after the catch. The next closest receiver or tight end is Juju Smith-Schuster at 570. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's basically lapped him in terms of yards after the catch. Yeah. It, it seems like every other week he's got like a 75 or 85-yard reception. Yeah. And so that's really helped Nick Mullins. It's, it's yes, he's playing well, and, and there, I'm not going to take that away from him because he is the second-best quarterback on the roster easily. But it is a lot of Kyle Shanahan, and it, it is a lot of yards after the catch. Well, let's talk about George Kittle because I was just looking at the stats right before we started talking, and Kittle's a Pro Bowler, bona fide, um, you know, uh, made the Pro Bowl this year. 72 catches so far this year. The next best receiver on the team has 24. So he's tripled the amount of the second best receiver on the team. How has the rest of the league not figured this out yet? That's the thing is is they, they have figured it out, but the problem is that Shanahan's still going to scheme him open because mm. you've got you're going to put him in places to succeed. You put him on the move, and he attacks it. He attacks in so many different ways. There's a, a very common run play the Niners love to run, and and this is the beauty of Kyle Shanahan's offense is that it's an integrated offense. The plays are not singular plays; they play off of each other, and they look very similar. There is a zone play the Niners like to run where they run the tight end or, or the H back, depending on where he lines up, in a sift motion where he comes across the formation and blocks the backside defensive end. Uh, it looks like a split zone, if you're familiar with that run. Well, they ran a screen last week, and they run it before as well, where the tight end, Kittle, looks like he's going to block on that sift motion, runs across the line, but instead of blocking the defensive end, he actually runs around him and then just turns around, and the, the defensive end's like, cool, I got a free run at the quarterback. Oh, wait, it's a screen. Hmm. And he throws it right past the defensive end who thinks he's got a free run at the court, at the quarterback, and now George Kittle's able to do George Kittle things. He ends up picking up 15, 17 yards because he's very, very good at getting yards after the catch because he is such an athletic player. And, and it's that kind of integrated play calling and, and that kind of stuff that makes Kyle Shanahan's offense so dangerous because here the defense thinks like, oh, I know exactly what this is. And, and it's not. And it's something completely different. And he gets the, the, the ball in the hands of his playmakers. And, and it's really, really awesome to see. So let's talk about your, your, your injuries this year you you lost McKinnon even before the season got started you lose Garoppolo week three uh Pierre Garçon he's injured correct uh yes he is he's actually an injured reserve so he's done for the year and maybe even for his 49ers career how brief it was wow so I mean those are those are three of the bigger names on the offensive side that were expected to be contributors this year who else have you lost on the offensive side this year 
Honestly, those are probably the biggest ones. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, you've got Trent Taylor, who is our slot receiver, and he's been battling a back issue, and so he's not really been 100%. I think Weston Richburg, he's been on the injury report with an ankle injury for the entirety of the year, and it has affected his play. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see how he bounces back, but he, he's not been as good of a free agent pickup as I would have liked, um, but a lot of that could be injury-related. Who knows? I mean, those are the biggest ones. I mean, you lose your quarterback, you lose your star running back, you, your center is hobbled. Uh, and your star wide receiver, well, one of your you know kind of possession wide receivers, Marquise Goodwin has been in and out of games, and he missed a couple of games due to a family matter. I mean, this is a, this is the team that was relatively healthy last year on offense, and if you believe in in, in the power of statistics, you know that there's going to be a regression to the mean. Just like the Bears had led the league for the last couple of years in injuries, this year they're remarkably healthy. Yeah, you know, it's it's, not, it's nothing more than just regressing to the mean. If you look at a team over ten years, they're going to have an average number of injuries, and this is just the year the Bears were healthy, and and last year the Niners were healthy. This year they're not, so it it, it does suck, and and it it is indeed next man up. But the only solace for Niner fans is that hopefully this turns into a higher draft position. Uh, and the Niners can turn that into into more talent and more picks. Sure, sure. So, so you guys are four and ten. Um, I, when I look among the schedule, I see a mixture of tight losses and also blowouts. You you lose to the Rams thirty nine to ten, and then Arizona eighteen uh, to fifteen. You have a tight one against the Giants, and then Tampa Bay of all teams beat you guys twenty seven to to nine. Then forty three to sixteen to to Seattle and then you come back and you beat the you know the, then you're your back-to-back wins with Denver and and Seattle. Why why is this team 4 and 10? I mean, is it simply the the turnover differential? I mean, we can't get the ball back in the hands of the offense and the offense is turning it over too much because it doesn't sound like you guys have I mean, obviously Garoppolo is a huge loss uh to that team on 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 offense, but I mean, is that the chief reason cuz you lost your quarterback? I mean, why is this team 4 and 10? I think absolutely it's because the team lost the quarterback. Uh, you know, if you look at a couple of those close games that, that the Niners lost, especially early on in the year, you think of the Green Bay game. You know, mm, if you flip yeah. that game and you flip one of the Arizona games and even the Chargers game, like the Niners were able to play the Chargers, who are one of the two best teams in the AFC right now. I think the Chargers and the Chiefs are, are right up there. Yeah. You know, this is a team that could have beat the Chargers with a backup quarterback. You know, so I think that a quarterback is is worth that many wins because they are that important to your team. And if you flip just three of the games on this roster, you're looking at a seven-win team with two games left. And and that's a team that's in the middle of the playoff hunt and or in the middle of a wild card, I should say. Right. And if they would have just beat Seattle, then, you know, that puts them in a prime position. And that's where we thought the team would be at the beginning of the year. If everything went well for them, we thought the team could really be around a seven, maybe eight-win team. Um, and, and so I think that that's, that's the difference really is that, is that quarterback and, and, you know, you look at Kyle Shanahan, he's had a lot of close games in his two years with the 49ers. And of course, last year he set a record for most consecutive games lost by, by one score. Right. Mm-hmm. And this year he's had a couple of close games as well. I really do think that a lot of that is the quarterback. And I think you're right. A lot of that is turnovers. The Niners end up getting a turnover or winning the turnover battle in a couple of those games. It changes the the complexion of the game entirely. Yeah, so absolutely. I do think it is a lot uh, of the quarterback, and that's I mean that's today's NFL man. If you have a quarterback, you're you're raking it in, and if you don't have a quarterback, well then then you're looking for one. Because I had a lot of hope for the team. Uh, you know, the Bears played on Sunday night, Week One, so the game that I got in my area was the Minnesota San Francisco game to kick it off. And you know, everybody's thinking about what what we remember from these teams from last year and to see the the 49ers be so scrappy and Minnesota really had to earn that win week one. It was like, okay, well, Minnesota is who they were. They were at home. They, they were going to win this game, but San Francisco made them fight for it every single inch of the way. So that left me with the idea that San Francisco probably is going to be the team that everyone is kind of projecting for them to be. You come out a week later and you beat Detroit and then the wheels fall off the next week against uh, Kansas City you run into the buzzsaw that is Patrick Mahomes and Garoppolo goes down with the knee injury and that led to what six seven injury seven losses in six six losses in a row after you know including the the game that Garoppolo uh, went down I mean there's the season right there you're four and ten those those six losses that's your season right there yeah it is and it's in the middle of the season it's it's really in the meat of it so you know I do think that the Garoppolo injury hurt a lot I also think that the the players that we thought would take the next step in year two really haven't. 
Mm. You look at Ruben Foster, who's no longer on the team. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's... the first round draft pick that that's now gone out the window. Right. You look at the, you know, Solomon Thomas, who has been underwhelming. I, I still think he can turn it around, but he certainly hasn't been great. Uh, and so I think that that and Akella Witherspoon, who was the third round pick, he has not he's had a very, very rocky season. He's been playing well these last couple of games, but now he's got a sprained PCL and and he's out for the rest of the year as well. So that's three players. You know, two of, of them are first round picks. One of them is a third round pick that just didn't turn out as as well as you thought they would be in year two as they did in year one. Uh, and so I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. This team is talent deficient enough that two or three players that don't hit is, you know, probably 30 percent of their good players. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, because I, I was listening to I think it was the athletic podcast um, and it was, you know, for Chicago. So I'm listening to the Bears and they had the Bay Area athletic guy uh, on there. And he did mention that there was a lot of sophomore slumps uh, from from a Solomon Thomas from the, the Witherspoon kid uh, who, you know, was was lights out last year, but hasn't really matched that this year and you know what what's going on with that and then of course the turnover differential thing came in yep. as well five turnovers um and i think the bears did that against one team i mean we got four out of the rams uh two yeah, weeks ago exactly. so i mean it was uh it was pretty crazy to hear that it that all season long that's only five and when i first heard that i was like well that's why you're four and ten. Five turnovers for the yeah. entire no, that's a big season reason. that's crazy you know that's a big reason yeah, and, and you know, you, you look at the way a defense is built and, and you think of how the pieces are required. I mean, I think the Bears are a perfect example. I actually used the Bears last week in, in the preview podcast to, to say, like, hey, guys, have a little bit of patience because you, you think of Kyle Fuller, who's good now, sure. But yeah. when when Vic Banjo took over in 2014, Kyle Fuller was like bus city, man. Yeah, he was he was awful. And he's right now the Bears have, I think, nine players ranked in the top 25 in their position group based on pro football focus grade. The only one who was there uh, in 2014 was Cal Fuller, and he was trash back then. I mean, yeah. he was absolute trash. Yeah. And then you add Eddie Goldman, you add Adrian Amos, you add Bryce Callahan, Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, Eddie Jackson, Prince of Mukamara. All these players were added, whether through the draft or in a value free agent signing. And, and then, all, and then you, you're in the same system for years. And, and then you add that one piece that unlocks everything in Khalil Mack, yeah. and, and you get the Bears defense. And so I think the Niners are probably in that second year. Uh, you know, they're, they're the 2015 Bears defense. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Fuller and Akella Witherspoon, I think, are having comparable careers. And now it's time for the Niners to add some of those players and have some of their young guys, you know, stick out and, and actually perform. And so I think in, in two years or so, I think you're going to see that defense be, be formidable. But in the meantime, these are the growing pains. Right. And when you say when you when you mention Kyle Fuller, it's you're exactly right, because, uh, you know, Witherspoon had a great year as a rookie last year. Kyle Fuller came out of the gates with gangbusters. I mean, uh, in, in his rookie year in 2014, you know, I mean, famously, that first game against the 49ers in, in Levi Stadium, he picked off Kaepernick twice in the second half that helped the Bears win that game and he had a pretty decent rookie season he had a big sophomore slump and then 2016 he misses the whole year with arthroscopic knee surgery we don't see him play a down in 2016 to the point where Fangio is so frustrated with him he is publicly questioning him in front of the press about whether or not he ever wants to play again yeah and, and then, you weren't even going to pick up his fifth year option right we like didn't. that was the big question we didn't pick up his fifth year option because we, that's right we did not and because last year was his contract year because he missed all of 2016 with arthroscopic knee surgery something that keeps most guys out for two maybe three weeks he was out the whole year with it and Fangio, like i said so frustrated he questioned whether or not the guy wanted to play at all in 2017 he was in danger of not even making the team and then was forced into duty when marcus cooper went down uh, no, not Marcus. Yeah, was, Marcus Cooper went down with an injury, or actually it was Prince Mukamura who went down, and then Fuller came in. Marcus Cooper was trashed, so we put a Mukamura and Fuller out there, and that's been the tandem uh, ever since. He, you know, he played and, and earned a second contract, earned his money, and he's been lights out for us this year. So if, if Witherspoon is anything like Kyle Fuller, yeah, two, three years from now, you guys are going to be in love with the kid. Yeah, exactly. So I think overall that's, you know, it, it's a lot of things that go into – the team not being good. I mean, whenever you've got a team that's four and ten, or whenever you have a team that you know at, at one point had two wins for a long time, um, there are a lot of things that need to go wrong for them to get to there, and and those are I think two of them. So real quick about uh, Khalil Mack, because that's actually been a point of 
of, uh, of of emphasis or something that the press has been talking about because the 49ers were one of the teams in the sweepstakes for Khalil Mack when the Raiders put him on the market. And, and what made me, when I go back and think about it, I, I kind of laugh at the whole thing when we hear that, you know, teams like Green Bay were in the mix, the Rams, who apparently just don't give an F about draft picks. They just, they just throw them all out. You know, this, if they've got draft, like they gave up two picks to get Dante Fowler. They gave up this many picks to get Marcus Peters and to keep to They just don't care about draft picks. They got the guys they need. They're going to go ahead with those. But the Packers were in it. The Rams were in it. The 49ers were in it. And the reason that the Rams or the Raiders say, or I don't know if they ever said it publicly, but one of the reasons rumored to be why they picked the bears was because basically they thought they would get the best picks out of the bears. Like, we're going to give them Khalil Mack. We're still going to get a top 10 pick, you know, for the next two years. We're going to get better picks than we'll ever get trading them to the Rams or the 49ers or anything like that. They, they projected the Bears to give them the biggest turn on the investment, and it ended up blowing up in their faces. They're going to get somewhere in, in the – I hope they get the 32nd pick because that would just be fantastic. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, that would be. it's I'm, going I'm to be somewhere in the 20s, you know, somewhere in the 20s because the Bears made the playoffs. So they're automatically – at the worst, they're going to be the 20th pick in the draft. And, um, you know, that's where it is. But that's why San Francisco didn't get the deal because they thought – they projected you to be better than us, so they went with the Bears because they thought they would get higher picks. And it's just like, number one, I still can't wrap my head around the idea of Gruden and and McKenzie being like, yeah, let's trade Khalil Mack. It'll, that'll work out for us. And yeah, that's a really weird. I mean, I jo, what John Gruden's doing in Oakland is is weird. It, it is <laughs> beyond reason for for lots of people. But I, I do think that it was. You know, that's why I think, you know, you're like, oh, let's see where I'm going to where am I going to get the best, uh, you know, the best kind of draft pick. And it's like, no, nah, just take the best deal, man. If someone's offering you picks, just just take whatever is, is going to be most on the table. Um, and so I think part of it, too, is it has to do with, the, I think, the Raiders inferiority complex with the 49ers. I think they were never really going to be um, comfortable with giving the Niners that premier uh, that premier player. So I think a lot of things went into it. It sucks that uh, we don't have Khalil Mack because he's amazing. He has more sacks with his back, I think, than our third overall pick has with his front right. uh, from last year. So, you know, it's it's just it's the way of the world, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I tweeted when I saw that happen. I was like, you know you're a bad dude when you can sack a quarterback with your lower back. You don't even need your hands. You just crash into him with your lower back, and he man, goes down. I, sh- I showed that to my wife, and she was like, was that an accident? And I was like, no, look at him. He flexes. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he knows it. He turns around, and he's like, no, and he flexes on him. He and just, that's just, you know, that's next level. <laughs> he just works with what he's got, man, because that guy that's had him right. basically around the throat. No holding call, by the way. But he's like, <laughs> all right, the hell with it. I'll just hit him with my ass and he'll go down. And he did. So there yep. you go. So, Oscar, real quick, because I know you got to go. Where do you see the game going uh, on on Sunday? Are, are the Scrappy Niners going to show up and, 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 you know, make it interesting for the Bears? Do you see too many deficits, uh, you know, in the, in the two rosters and an easy win for the Bears? What do you, what do you see? What are you forecasting for Sunday? I, I do think that the Niners uh, are going to make it interesting, and I do think this game is going to be oddly tight. It's going to look a little different than, of course, last year's game did because last year, of course, it was another, it was another barn burner last year. <laughs> uh, I think it was like 15-14, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. 15-14. It was the Robbie Gold revenge game, right. and, and I think that that was uh, – it, it's going to look – I think it's going to be low-scoring – this year as well. Mm-hmm. I think the Niners are probably going to throw up somewhere near 17 points, maybe even 13, depending on, on whether or not they, they give the ball up a, you know, a couple times. But, but I do think the Bears' offense is quite a bit better this year than it was last year. I think sure. what Nagy's done with that offense, um, even if Trubisky's not playing you know, like worlds better than he was last year, I think Nagy's putting him in better situations, and I think Trubisky understands what his role is in that offense much better now than he did at the beginning of the year. So I think that the, it's probably a, a seven-point game, and the line is only four, which is an oddly tight line. And I said that about Denver, and, and then they went and they, they won that game. But I do think the Bears end up winning the game by a touchdown, and so I, I think it probably ends up like 17-24. Yeah, I, th- I think, it's, I think you're, you're, you're right about that. And it, it, I think that the line has to do with the fact that the Bears, even against teams that are quote-unquote inferior to them, have either not played well or lost on the road we're, we're 10 and 4 but we're 7 and 1 uh at home 3 and 3 on the road and 
you know, the, the last road loss was against the Giants of all teams. So, I mean, it's just we don't really show up that well on the road or we haven't. And a team that that has those two impressive wins uh, against the, you know, Seattle and Denver could very well give the Bears more trouble than they need uh, at this point in the season. So I think that's why the line uh, is low. And, and I also agree that uh, it's probably going to be somewhere in that 21 to 17, 24 to 17 area. As long as we keep you under 24, because that apparently is the Bears' magic number. If we allow 24 points or more, we lose the game. So if you score 17, great. That keeps you well under where we're where apparently our magic number is, and we'll be good. So, but um, you know, I, I I I wish you the I wish you the best, man. I I was really hoping that uh, you know, like when we ended our conversation in June, the two of us were talking about, hey, wouldn't it be great? If both teams were in a position, they're playoff bound, we're fighting for seeds, and it got flexed to Sunday night. Wouldn't that just be something if that happened? Unfortunately, it didn't. We're sticking with the, uh, the 3 o'clock uh, Central Time uh, kickoff, and uh, you know, hopefully it will be an interesting game because, you know, I, of course, I would be happy to see the Bears win by a blowout, but that would be kind of boring. So hopefully it is kind of scrappy, but in the end, uh, you know, I just want to see a good football game, and especially at this time of year for my Bears especially, Everybody comes out healthy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, same thing. I hope everyone's healthy. And, and what we've talked about on the show is we, we hope for an elegant tank. We right. hope the Niners end up losing the game and, and end up not intentionally by any stretch, but lose the game, cover the spread, make it interesting. Uh, that way they're, they're still building blocks for the future. But at the same time, you, you got to move up that draft board, man, because right now it's about scouting them edge rushers. That's where right. we're at. Se- season's done, man. I'm watching some Bosa tape. I'm watching. I was going to say that's that, that's got to be the guy then, right? You, if you're edge rusher, we'll you got to be salivating over Bosa right about now. We'll see, man. We'll, I don't think the Niners will end up with the first overall pick, but I do think that they will be in a prime position to get someone like a Greedy Williams or a Josh Allen. And so it's uh, it's draft season, man. I, we've been in draft season for a few weeks, so help us get there faster. Right. I I, I know all about that. I know that you know <laughs> I know all about that. So I'm I'm happy not to be thinking about the draft just yet. And that we're looking forward to the postseason. But again, I I hope the the 49ers bounce back, man, because I, I think it the the league is a lot more interesting when the 49ers are playing well. So hopefully that happens in 2019. Have no arguments from me on that point. All right, Oscar Aparicio, uh, tell us where we can find you online, man. You can always find me on Twitter at Better Rivals, uh, and our show, the Better Rivals podcast, is on Niners Nation, uh, so you can check it out there as well, or on any place that you find your podcasts. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for uh, joining us, Oscar. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right. Thanks again, man. Once again, want to thank Oscar Aparicio for joining us and uh, helping us preview this game between the Bears and the 49ers. And uh, I do think that this does have the potential to be another one of those scary road games against quote-unquote inferior talent, much like our last road game against the uh, the New York Giants. And we were supposed to coast to a victory. Remember when we talked to, to, to um, Sean, uh, not Sean Murphy, Ryan, Ryan uh, Dunleavy, Ryan Dunleavy from the uh, Talk is Cheap podcast, um, he was like, I, I don't like any of the matchups. I'm really not... Uh, thinking this is going to go too well for us and and gave us like a three touchdown differential 31 to 7 24 to something you know so on and so forth it it feels like one of those games where where the bears on paper are the far better team we're playing much better football but there's just something about the 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 way the bears show up on the road uh this year that make you kind of worry about how this could go down especially against a scrappy team like the 49ers who have nothing to lose uh at this point i mean you heard uh, Oscar talking about uh, the elegant tank where, uh, you know, they're not losing games on purpose, but they're not exactly upset about losing footballs, football games at this point because they're trying to uh, lock in that, that better draft choice kind of thing. Kind of where we have been the last couple of seasons where we don't, obviously we want the Bears to win week in and week out, to hell with draft position or whatever. Losing the game is the silver lining. You know, losing the game and, and getting a better draft spot that's the silver lining to the loss, you know. Well, at least we're number four. We're going to get a good pick, you know, kind of thing. You don't want the Bears to lose. Obviously, Oscar doesn't want to see the 49ers lose, but the silver lining to a loss would be, ooh, we're still, you know, number two, number three overall, and, you know, we got a good shot at one of the more premier players uh, in the 2019 draft. So, 
But it, it, it is worrisome, especially that guy George Kittle that we talked about very briefly. He's a tight end out of Iowa, was drafted in the fifth round last year, and you heard me talk about his stats. 72 catches, which is literally triple the next best guy who's got 24, and 24 being uh, Dante Pettis, their second-round pick uh, from this year. But, you know, it's like how it, it's very much reminiscent of uh, 2012 for the Bears when uh, Brandon Marshall had like 113 catches or something like that. And the next best wide receiver was, I think, Devin Hester with like 39 catches or something like that. I think uh, I think that was the year Matt Forte had like 60 or 70 catches out of the backfield. But as far as actual wide receivers on the field in 2012, I think Devin Hester was second with like 36 catches and um, uh, something like that. And, and Brandon Marshall was, uh, you know, over 110 uh, for the season because Cutler was just you – know, that's the only guy Cutler was looking for uh, in, in 2012. And, um, you know, very reminiscent uh, of that. That's, you know, the, the tight end is always the quarterback's best friend. You know, he's helping up front and running, you know, with the blocking. And, you know, he's in the middle of the field where the quarterback can probably see him the best. And, and you know, there he is right over the scene. Boom, and there he goes. And then, like you were hearing Oscar talking about with the way that Kyle Shanahan likes to run his offense where he likes to – um, I think he called an integrated plays where he'll run the same formation two plays in a row, but one will be a they'll run out of the same they'll run out of that formation one down and then pass out of the exact same formation, the same motion, the same everything, but they'll pass this time and that's kind of where uh, they're they're able to get George Kittle uh, open and the the kid has earned himself a playoff a playoff a Pro Bowl uh, berth for his efforts. Uh, this year really looking like a guy that could be uh, you know a, a a resident at the Pro Bowl uh, if if all goes well for him and he continues on this trend uh, that he's on now so being able to stop him to slow him down uh, I think will be big because he's been uh, a big play guy uh, for them I mean hell that went over Denver he had 200 yards receiving in the first half he he had like an 80-yard touchdown reception. He had other big plays uh, in that first half. As a matter of fact, all he needed was like five yards receiving in the second half to break the all-time uh, single-game uh, receiving record for tight ends. And for whatever reason, it worked out that Kittle didn't catch another pass to, for another yard for the rest of the game. But it was more than then the 49ers needed to, to keep the victory over the, uh, over the Broncos uh, in that one. So he's got big play capability. Uh, when the Bears haven't played well uh, on the road, it's been the big play that's hurt us. Think about Green Bay week one, Miami week number six. Uh, you know, the, the big plays that got away from us weren't exactly on, you know, those plays against the, the, the Giants, the, that, uh, the touchdown pass from Odell Beckham on the, you know, the fake you know, sweeper uh, or whatever. It's always those big plays we seem to fall susceptible to in the um on when we're on the road so i guess discipline would probably be the the biggest thing we want to look at for the bears on defense this week you know discipline to stick to your assignments to be able to make sure you're making the proper read especially with the way shanahan likes to run his offense with those integrated plays where he'll you know he'll he'll run a certain play and then come right back to it maybe you know either on the next down or very you know very close to it you know very shortly after that he'll go back to it only instead this time like you heard Oscar describe this play that they ran out of last time all of a sudden that very same play with the very same motions and movements and things is a tight end screen that gets George Kittle out in open space for him to make a big play so being disciplined, making sure that you're making the proper reads and, um, you know, making sure that you're doing your job on, on each play, I think will be the big factor in slowing the, the 49ers down to bottling up Kittle and, and helping the Bears progress to a win. And uh, hopefully we aren't the team that helps the 49ers break their uh, turnoverless streak. I think it's either five games or six games where they haven't caused the turnover against their opponent. The funny thing is they've won the last two games, so it hasn't really mattered uh, for them. And then historically, the Bears have not played well in San Francisco. I mean, it's not Candlestick anymore, so the curse of Candlestick no longer uh, exists. And our first game in Levi Stadium in 2014, we won that game. So who knows? Maybe the curse was broken when, when Candlestick was burned to the ground, or I don't even know if it's still standing or not. But they play in Levi Stadium now, so Candlestick isn't a problem. 
So we'll see how many of that uh, holds up. Overall, on paper, this looks like, you know, I don't want to say an easy victory, but it's a sure victory for the Bears. And it should be, quite frankly. You know, the, the Bears are the far talented team. They're the far more dangerous team with our turnover differential and the, the, the plays that we're generating on defense, the pass rush uh, that we have. We're going to get after the 49ers. Nagy says that nobody's sitting. No starters are sitting. We're going we're gonna to play our starters. We still have something to play for. The Bears are still trying to earn a, a first-round buy, a, a first, uh, a first round buy, I should say. The only way to do that is to keep winning, and hopefully the uh, the Rams will trip up because we the the Saints have to lose out in order for us to catch the Saints. I think we have a better chance of catching the Rams if they lose one more and we're tied. We're in the bye week, and they're going to the wild card round. So the Bears do have something to play for. So I don't think we're going to be phoning it in on Sunday. It's just the, more important for us to actually kind of show up. Uh, on Sunday because it hasn't been something that we've done uh, on the road. We've had some shaky road appearances uh, this year. Think about the Arizona game. Think about uh, Miami, obviously. You think about the Giants game. Uh, the, the, the Lions was a really tough uh, football game, you know, and obviously week one against the, uh, against the Packers. Something always seems to kind of go sideways on us in those games or we get off to a slow start. I mean, the Packers game aside, we got off to a slow start against Miami. We got off to a slow start against Arizona. We got off to a slow start against the Giants. You see the trend here. It's it's more important that we 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 play like we're at home against the 49ers on Sunday and you know have the offense come out and put one on the board right away like uh like we usually do uh when we're at home, give the defense a lead to protect and kind of take it uh from there. So uh you know, I really do think this is one of those games that should take care of itself, but it's on the road. It's a scrappy team that's just battling and, and looking to ruin some, uh, you know, ruin some things for playoff bound teams like the Bears and the Seahawks. They beat them last week. The Broncos the week before that, you know, so I think that the, the 49ers are out to make trouble uh, for the Bears. And uh, if the Bears aren't careful, the 49ers will bring plenty of it. So. But otherwise, I think we're going to be just fine. Uh, I think we need to run the football, you know, protect it, be like a game manager type thing uh, on the offensive side and then on defense, turn the dogs loose, see how many turnovers we can generate, and maybe we get this thing, you know, uh, out of reach by halftime. So hopefully that's how it will go down. So that is going to do it for the Week 16 preview of the Bears Talk Underground. I will be back on monday as a matter of fact i might actually be back on sunday night because i am uh, traveling tomorrow to to go home for the for the holiday but i'll be bringing everything with me so that i can record the show uh while i'm at my dad's house uh for the holiday it will either be sunday night after the the game or it will be early on monday because i have uh a Christmas a family Christmas party on Christmas Eve to get to so it won't be Monday night it will either be Sunday night or Monday morning slash early afternoon that the show will be out there so that will be my Christmas present to you is the week 16 review episode and hopefully it will be a victory Monday for a happy Merry Christmas to us all instead of a bah humbug how the hell do we lose to the 49ers kind of show so be sure and tune in for that uh, I wish you guys all a Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. I know that uh, Hanukkah's already come and gone, so there you go with that. And uh, just the happy holidays to you all. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're all here uh, with me, that we're enjoying this season together. And uh, it's, it's probably been even more so than 2010 uh, when I had the man crush on Julius Peppers. This has been the, the most fun I've ever had uh, doing the show, and I'm, and I'm thankful this year for all of you guys and for the armchair network and and everything uh just making the year that much more special so thanks so much uh for listening to the show we'll be back either on sunday night or monday so keep you know, keep your eyes on twitter or facebook for updates and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.